Welcome to Everything Is Up, a podcast about the real-life stories of people who have created extraordinary levels of success. These are conversations with people who are constantly striving to take things to the next level. And now, here's your host... Everything is Up podcast. I'm your host, Tamara Hollerick. And today we have joining us Chief Chris Cook from the White Settlement Police Department. And thank you again, Chief Cook, for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Give us a little bit about who Chief Cook is. Yeah, sure. So uh, kind of an interesting uh, fact uh, people may not be aware. I actually was born in White Settlement uh, back in 74, uh, born in an apartment complex that used to be called Plaza Apartments over there by Lockheed Martin. Uh, At the time, it was General Dynamics. And then my parents, uh, we moved over to a duplex on Abbott, which is also in White Settlement by the skating rink. And then uh, a gentleman by the name of Kirby Myrick uh, came to White Settlement. I built a bunch of housing areas in the south end of the city. And so we ended up settling on Rumfield, uh, where I spent most of my childhood uh, growing up. And so um, I went to Liberty Elementary uh, here wow. in the community, went to Brewer, um, and then graduated Castleberry Baptist, which is also uh, in our community on the service road. Their school was actually uh, in River Oaks. And so that was uh, kind of my childhood growing up. Had a lot of uh, fun. Uh, I mean, I remember when we had the drive-in uh, movie theater on Cherry Lane. My first job was Toys R Us, making three dollars and seventy-five cents an hour back in nineteen ninety. Wow! Um, and and then I decided to go into the uh, military, and so I joined the Air Force. Uh, we had an airplane museum in White Settlement back in the day. And I used to spend almost every weekend uh, crawling around in the planes out there. So something at an early age kind of uh, tore at me to want to join the Air Force. It was Carsville Air Force Base at the time. So joined the military, went over to Japan, did some uh, a tour over there, ended up uh, out processing at Andrews in Maryland and then also Reese in Lubbock. Um, and when I got out, um, I'd always wanted to be a police officer, especially as a teenager. Matter of fact, I was a police explorer uh, here in White Settlement when the police station used to be at City Hall. And, wow. um, and so just needed the time to become 21. That's why I went in the military, got out, went to the police academy. And then, you know, uh, here 28 years later, um, I am here at White Settlement. Most of my career was spent in Arlington. Um, I ended up retiring as a deputy police chief over there, so kind of rising through the ranks. Um, And most people know me from being the spokesperson on TV, but I did a lot more uh, certainly than just talk on TV. Uh, But that was kind of how I ended up in policing. Well, you know, so as I was doing my background research, um, you had a lot of roles, actually. You you actually were a police officer here in White Settlement for a while and then went to Arlington, right? Yes, that is correct. So when I was in the academy, I was actually working for the sheriff's office. So I've worked for for three agencies, the Tarrant County Sheriff's Office, number one. I was in the jail. I worked at the correction center in downtown Fort Worth. Then I actually was a dispatcher, which is kind of another unknown. A lot of people don't realize that. I actually dispatched for the county uh, for a little while. And I wanted to be on the street. So, you know, being a police officer, being in a police car, stuff like that. It was really difficult in the in the 1990s um, to land a a a street job, if you will, with the county, um, because, you know, it's we're so urbanized. There's only a few positions at the sheriff's office 
that are deputy sheriff positions in the field. And so um, I didn't want to wait any longer and, and hold out hope there. So uh, growing up in White Settlement, I decided, you know what, let me see if there's an opening here. I applied, was hired. I spent about three and a half years or so here. I uh, went back to school. I had done some college uh, in the Air Force and uh, completed my degree. Actually went to college uh, on the base here at Carswell. And then I went to Arlington um, and spent about 18 and a half years or so. Uh, in Arlington, you know, it's a big city. Um, started in patrol like everybody does. Then I was in the traffic unit. Uh, my role was to enforce speed and seatbelt and DWI laws on I-20. And then I've started promoting the sergeant, uh, supervised the traffic unit. I worked a, a couple of years in, in uh, drug trafficking. Um, then I went into media relations. And as I continued to promote, I oversaw our joint terrorism task force, our jail, our school police officers in Arlington. They don't have a separate department like they do in White Settlement. So yeah, I've kind of run the gamut on uh, things to do uh, in law enforcement. Well, do you feel that that gave you a very well-rounded perspective as stepping into chief? Absolutely. You know, um, the more that you're experienced to, um, when you get faced with scenarios here locally in our community, then at the end of the day, you're better equipped to handle those types of calls because you're like, you know what? We actually managed that. Um, and I remember how we did that. If it was wrong, then, you know, I'm not going to do it that way again. Or if it was right, then certainly there might be an approach. Um, because regardless of the size of city, you know, white settlement, we we have the similar issues that Arlington and Fort Worth and Dallas have, just not to the magnitude of those cities. But you still have personality conflicts, not only internally, but in the community. You still have uh, crime issues that creep up. And, and, and certainly there's always a, a thirst for information when things are happening. Um, and so, you know, that's one of the things that I wanted to bring here to white settlement when I went through the hiring process, one of the recurring themes that we heard was people didn't feel like they knew what the police department was doing. Um, yes, the police department was on social media. Yes, the police department had a few community programs, but not to the extent, certainly since April. Um, but that was my role for many years. And it's important. I understand the value of that. If I can get the community, if I can demystify what police officers do and show them that, hey, we're human just like you and I, at the end of the day, there's an increase of support that comes in from our community, which we absolutely need. No, make no bones about it. We will not be successful without the community supporting us, being our extra eyes and ears, reporting suspicious activity, helping us find bad guys. So all of the experiences that I got in Arlington really helped me and no doubt um, helped me through the hiring process here. Yeah, that's awesome. So I read recently that you just received a pretty significant award. Tell us about the award. Yeah, so um, we just got the Peace Officers Angels Foundation Award. Let me tell you why that's really special to me. Um, just a few weeks ago, there is a lot of agencies and organizations uh, that come to mind if an officer's killed in the line of duty. A lot of people come out, provide financial support, emotional support, healing support, you know, those types of recovery. However, in Texas, uh, for whatever uh, reason, when an officer is injured in the line of duty, it's not so much. It really comes down to the city that the employee works for, which determines their level of support. Um, so if you work in a big city, has a lot of money, you may get uh, certainly uh, some compensation there. Sorry, my phone's uh, the, the school district. Everybody's always doing so. Let me turn that off. Um, so 
But if you work at a small city, i.e. white settlement, well, we have workers' compensation, certainly. We have, if if they take long-term disability, but Peace Officers Angels Foundation steps into that void and they actually provide financial assistance. Let's say the officer was working extra part-time jobs, right? If they're working extra part-time jobs to make ends meet, and they're hurt in the line of duty, well, they can't work those jobs. And so the Peace Officers Angels Foundation likes to come in from from behind and help families. Um, And so we have done everything uh, that we could. Um, I've I've hosted several events and incidents here in our community that helps raise funding. And so that award recently was very special because it was able, we were able to really showcase the great work that we've done uh, as a city to help bring additional funds to help those across the state of Texas. So yeah, very humbling. Um, so grateful for our community. Every time we've had, whether we was, we had one on the border, we had one at El Ranchito, uh, we've had one at uh, another restaurant in Mansfield, the community comes out and supports those efforts. Yeah, that's pretty special. I can see where that would be very dear to your heart. Um, I know how, um, how involved with your team um, and the officers here um, that you are. Um, talk to us a little bit about being from here, right? Going to a bigger city and then coming back as chief with some guys that I'm pretty sure you probably worked with when you worked as a patrolman and now you're coming back as their boss. How did that go over? You know, um, interesting dynamic, right? Um, you're exactly spot on. When I worked here, I'll give you an example. My entire executive team, when I got here in April, we were all officers together, which means we probably did some silly things together way back in the day. Most of the statute of limitations is out probably <laughs> if we drove too fast or something like that. But it does bring a dynamic. I remember when I met with uh, my team, uh, I, after it was announced that I got the job, I, I met him at Heim Barbecue over in Westworth Village. And I said, hey, uh, this might be weird for you also, but I want you to know I'm a little different than I was certainly 20 years ago. And I said, I assume that y'all are different than you were 20 years ago. And so I wanted to kind of clear the air that, hey, at the end of the day, we're going to work together. We're going to make sure certainly we have the right people on the bus um, and and make sure that we're all working collaboratively together to solve uh, community issues. Because, you know, it, a, a backstory to what to segue to what you're talking about. I remember my mom. Um, she said, "Oh, thank God you're coming back home. You, it's so there's no crime in White Settlement compared to Arlington, you know, in her mind." And yeah. And everything is great here. And of course, within the first week, we had a foot pursuit that went right near my mom's house on a stolen vehicle. We, we all know if you live in West Summit, there certainly are some crime issues. We have some drug issues that we're having to combat. We've had aggressive panhandling. We've had a homeless crisis. We've had a lot of homeless individuals, some with mental health issues. So all of these competing interests are are really uh, kind of occurring at the same time that I'm trying to take the helm with people I used to work with, right, as equals. And so I just had to set the tone initially that, hey, yep, I'm the boss. I'm the one that's in the chair right now. But for me to be successful, I need everyone to rally together. And so whatever personality conflicts there may be, even amongst themselves, because they 
they did stay together all these years. I said, you got to set those aside and we've got to work together. And so I, I think that was kind of helpful from the initial onset. And then not to mention, you got to get out and meet people. You got to get out and shake hands and interact with folks. And so we immediately started our community engagement programs. I mean, we have so many that we're, we're proud of. Um, Citizens on Patrol is back up and running because it had become non-existent. We started, we do, we do two Citizens Police Academies a year now. We're about to embark on a Hispanic speaking uh, Spanish speaking only citizens police academy. Cause you know, we have a very uh, large growing uh, Hispanic population here that are primary Spanish speakers in white settlement right? and dog walker watch. And then we re uh, invigorated our youth programming, our elementary reading programs. We do the investigators club at West elementary. We now launched public safety cadets for kids or teens that are interested in becoming police officers. We started participating with Special Olympics. I mean, you name it. It seems like a lot, and it is, but it's very important from my perspective. If you're really going to talk a good game, those have to be matched by your actions. And so I think the community sees us out there. I can tell you I regularly interface with people that say, man, that a fresh air, a breath of fresh air because they struggled with not really knowing what was going on. And so I would tell you, though, a lot of good work was happening even before I got here. They just weren't talking about it to the level that we've started talking about stuff. Well, I know one of the programs, as you know, I have five dogs and would have 20 if I could. Um, But one of the big projects that you launched that I know you're really proud of, and I will tell you, uh, your officers are doing a phenomenal job. Um, Officer Callahan, I know she's got the helm of it and she's just doing a fabulous job with PAWS. So let's tell the readers what PAWS is. Yeah. So um, another challenge when I got here was our animal services center. Uh, Depending on who you asked on the street, they either loved it hated it, or we're in between, didn't really know what was going on. And so um, city manager asked me, hey, would you be willing to take a look at it? Um, I didn't have a lot of experience in this arena. So, I I mean, I've owned dogs my whole life, love my pets uh, dearly, just like my family members. Uh, But as far as running like a shelter operation, I had zero experience. Um, But I found some people that did know a little bit uh, about how to do that. So we got everybody in the same room and discussed, well, how do we uh, rebrand, if you will, what we're doing? So we came up with uh, rebranding it as PAWS, which is Protecting Animals of White Settlement. We also added Community Center out there because we wanted it to be a place where people not only just bring an animal that is stray, but they can come and have educational sessions and learn how to care for their pets. You know, it's unfortunate, like every community around us sometimes people get pets and they're not the best owners they don't understand what it's going to require as far as taking care of the animals they don't get them vaccinated properly whatever the case may be right because that's the worst thing we want to do because that's what really leads to stray pets and it's and it's heartbreaking for the animals and so we looked at various ways to really expand our community outreach we hired some new people uh, that are over there as well um, to increase the level of service Because oftentimes I was told, if you call after 5 p.m. or on the weekend, forget it. No one responds, right? Right. Well, certainly we've changed that. We respond on the weekend. We respond 24 hours a day now. We have two vans now as well. 
and totally redesign the way that center looks over there. So uh, as you put it, Lieutenant uh, Denise Callahan, Corporal David Streif, and the entire team, they've put a lot of energy and investments. Many times I will come out to the city on the weekend and I will see their cars there um, knowing full well they're not even claiming hours to get paid, but I know they're in there cleaning uh, some of the kennels out uh, just because they love what they do. And that's the uh, correct match. When you got people that really care about this community, that care about the animals, that care, they want to make a positive difference, then you're going to see success. And so some of the folks in the community that really struggled with the way it was run before are our biggest advocates now um, because we're an open book. We say you can come in anytime. We don't mind being held accountable on the police side, on the fire side, or on the animal services side. We have nothing to hide. And if we're in the wrong, we'll fix it. And so I think that approach has worked really well because unlike Arlington, White Settlement, everybody knows everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's real quickly that uh, when you have something that, that you're not on the high ground on, i.e. something that, that that you're doing in the shelter that that is maybe not be best practices, Word gets out real quick. And so yeah. we wanted to change that dynamic and open the center up where people could come and volunteer and all that. So yeah, they're doing a great job. Yeah, all of your officers are doing a really great job. Um, you had like shortly after you came um became police chief, there this whole stolen car thing. What like I, I remember having a quick conversation with you and you were just frustrated. Um, but you very, very quickly adopted um a program and put some cameras in some places. And I remember right off the bat, it was like there was a little bit of pushback because people didn't want to be big brothered, if you will, right? right? And then all of a sudden you guys started finding all these cars. Like literally, like it was almost like don't come to white settlement because you're going to get caught, right? That was the whole premise. Um, how many to date have you been able to recover? Yeah, so I don't have the exact stats, but that's a great question. So we partnered with Flock. Um, they're a license plate reader company. Uh, we saw some success in Arlington is why I wanted to bring it here. Um, white settlement was already actually looking at that. I think they had two cameras when I got here, but I wanted to certainly expand that out. Um, and not only that, I wanted to get access to the flock cameras that Fort Worth has because Fort Worth has like 125 of them. So we strategically placed these at the entry points to our city, meaning that if you come to our town and you're in a stolen car or you're a wanted fugitive or you commit a crime, a real heinous crime, if you drive into our community, chances are your license plate would be recorded. Now, for all those that didn't like that, because I totally understand privacy safeguards, what do we use the data for? And those are legitimate questions. And I've addressed those uh, to those in the community that had concerns. We purge that data in 30 days. The system automatically does it, right? So unless the detective goes in and says, I need that video for a case that they're working, it goes away. So no one is spying on anyone. Secondly, Supreme Court has consistently ruled that a public roadway is public. That's why it's called a public roadway, meaning there's no expectation of privacy on a public roadway when it comes to recording license plates. And then the third thing that I would leave you with, you're absolutely right. We were recovering sometimes five to six stolen vehicles 
four to five serious fugitives. I'm talking, we're not talking about misdemeanor warrants. They don't even scan for that. We're talking about serious felony warrants, all right, Um, coming into our community. We just had one recently, a murder suspect from Washington State came into our town. And so those are people that I'm interested in intercepting, arresting, and getting them back to Washington State. Um, it's, It's had such a profound success that now... It is very rare, almost, (laughs) that you get a stolen hit. You might get one or two a week, if that. Some weeks we go, we get zero alerts. Why is that? Well, we've put a lot of bad people in jail. And also, I think the word got out real quickly that White Settlement's very serious about this, and their officers aren't as encumbered as like Fort Worth sometimes. So if the alert gets hit, we're going to intercept you nine times out of 10 versus some of the larger cities that are busy on calls. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is the, so, you know, there's those pros and cons of being in a small town and, you know, we are landlocked pretty much um, with all around Fort Worth. Um, We smaller community area, right. Landlocked on all four sides of um, town by Fort Worth. And so I can see where having access to Fort Worth cameras and finding out who's close, right? And being able to intercept them would be a big deal. The beauty of being in a small town is everybody knows everybody, but that's the same curse, right? That's that double-edged sword of everybody knows everybody's business, but the minute something bad happens, everybody rallies. And I will say you coming to town because my office is located here in this community and has been for many years. And I like that small town community. I like knowing my neighbors and knowing that the police department is watching my office when I go home at night. I I like knowing that. And when you're in a bigger town, you don't get that necessarily at that same level of service. And um, I'm just really grateful that you had enough time to join us today to just kind of be Chris Cook, right? Yes, you are chief cook to all of us who love and adore you, but you also have a family, right? Absolutely. And you know, you just described what I call uh, relational policing versus transactional policing. Sometimes in big cities, and it's not always their fault, but they engage in transactional, which means they are so busy. They go from call to call to call to call. Sometimes they're going to so many calls, they can't even address a driver that's driving reckless because they don't have time to make the traffic stop because they're going to calls. Whereas relational policing, which is the philosophy that we've been talking about here in town, is every single interaction, whether it's a traffic stop, somebody in our lobby, somebody uh, that you're taking a report from, you need to take a couple seconds, a couple minutes to try to form the best impression you have, right, on them so that they trust our law enforcement, so they become our partner, so that we build a relationship. So that's kind of the difference. Speaking of family, absolutely, work-life balance is extremely important. Uh, You know, my wife, uh, she works at Mansfield PD. She's also a full-time gymnastics mom. And anybody that has kids in sports know the time commitment uh, that that requires. And so at the end of the day, though, family is absolutely important because um, this job will come and go. Um, these You have a limited shelf life, if you will, in the number one chair. And so the question is, 
hopefully at the end of the day, when, when change occurs, whether that's initiated by me, by the city manager, by the community, you leave the position better than when you inherited the position. So that's my goal, uh, because it won't be on my tombstone that I was a great police chief or that I was a bad police chief. It's all going to be about your family and the impact you made uh, in that regard. So, yes, taking care of your families, regardless of your profession, is extremely vital. So I know that um, your number one fan is your wife. Um, she, I've had this wonderful pleasure of getting a chance to meet her. Um, and she is, you can tell by the way she looks at you and the way she supports you. She is your number one fan. But if she was going to have one thing to say, what would she say about Chris Cook? She would probably say when I get home, um, I go to my office. I have a beautiful office at the house and I get in there and I start working on <laughs> And I get it. Um, and I get to talk like, hey, can you just give that a break? Can we just watch a Netflix? Can we just go grab a bite to eat? Can we do this or that? And so um, when I talk about work-life balance, and I do preach that to my team, I know sometimes they look back at me thinking, you're one to preach. Right. Uh, they get emails from me all hours of the day and night, you know, and it's just, you know, I've always been like that. I've always kind of struggled with making sure that, you know, it's hard to just have be boxed in a certain time frame. That's why I come out here on the weekends. I like to be really actively involved. And majority of the time, it's not police related things. It's just building relationships. It's going to the farmer's market. It's going to the restaurant, speaking with the owners. It's talking to people that want to build homes in our community. Because I think as a department head and as a police department, all of us have a role for economic vitality in our city. Uh, you're a business owner and, and you get that firsthand, but yeah. making sure that people feel safe, making sure that, you know, I always tell uh, this, and I said this to city council this past weekend when we were going through our budget workshop, people can accept a rising crime rate. What they will not accept is a police department that does not care about them. And so we've got to make sure that we're dialed in on the right temperature when we're out there building and forming relationships with people. Yes, crime comes and goes. It had it goes up and down. It's cyclical, right? And we've been working really hard on the hotel and motels along some of the service roads because we know crime is elevated in these areas. But again, they have to know, they being our community, people have to feel like they're valued, like their input matters, and that we treat them with dignity and respect. That's not just a buzzword. People have to understand that we're fair, that we're compassionate, and that we have the same desire that they do, which is a healthy and strong community. So if we can do that, um, we absolutely will. And I'm tied back to what your question was. Sometimes I get a little overworked in those areas to where I get these ideas. I find myself in my office on my computer. And then the wife, I look up and she's giving me the evil eye. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, I tell my staff all the time and I have a staff of all women and all of them have kids. Right. So um, I am too that workaholic. I think it comes with that type A personality that both you and I have. And, you know, I tell them on a regular basis you are a mom first. And in your case, you know, the kids aren't going to be little forever. Right. I know you took off flying out of town on Saturday to make it to New Bronzeville to make yep. sure you were 
on time for a gymnastics meet, that that effort you get an A for. I mean, the role that you're playing is so hard because um, it is difficult. I, I had a mentor tell me once, um, there is no such thing as work-life balance. So you can just forget it. Like it's work or life. Like you pick the, you pick the moment that becomes very important in the lives of everyone you have to find time for. Yeah. Um, and, and that's really, I mean, I think the best advice I was ever given was forget trying to do work-life balance. Like it just doesn't exist. Make sure you are present for the things that matter. And then you go from there, but you're pulled in so many directions. I wondered how you balanced if, if that was even a thing for you, because I know it's not for me. You know, and I agree with you, um, work-life balance. It's really hard to achieve. Even when I was in Arlington, there is always more work. And I tell my executive team this always because they, you know, we kind of sometimes will joke that we're always behind in something, right? There's always more work. And the reason for that is I am a, a very demanding person when it comes to continual improvement. I don't want to be uh, the status quo. I don't want to come to work each week and just say, hey, everything's great. We don't have nothing to do because there's always something we can do to make our community better. Um, and so I'm sure that that uh, hinders some of, of that work-life balance. Luckily for me, uh, my wife uh, had, was a career police officer for many years before she went part-time uh, in Mansfield. So she understands the public safety side of things. Um, she is a great person when it comes, very forgiving and f- gives me more than free passes than I probably deserve. But there are certain things that, yes, are important. We travel all the time. Um, anybody that's friends with me on Facebook knows that we love to go to Hawaii. We love to go to New York City. But those things are important. We're building memories. You know, I, I'll leave you with this uh, analogy. The Recently, I had a good friend of mine um, that just retired from Arlington um, as an assistant police chief who used to kind of, you know, in a joking kind of way, used to give me a hard time that, man, y'all travel all the time. You're supposed to save your money for retirement. Travel when you retire. And 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 the other day, he got some really devastating news. I guess this is back around the holidays that he was terminally ill with cancer, totally unexpected, didn't see it coming, had just retired. And he said, you know, Chris, he goes, you know, I used to kind of poke fun of you and give you a hard time. He said, but if I could go back in time, I probably would have been traveling like you uh, because we don't know. We're never guaranteed to tomorrow. And so leaving uh, the budget meeting on Saturday, uh, driving the speed limit, I will uh, profess <laughs> uh, getting down to New Brunfels as quick as I could. I missed two of the events, but I got the last two, which were phenomenal events. First time she'd ever got a 9.875 on the floor. And anybody that has gymnastics uh, kiddos knows that that's, a, that's not a an easy feat to do. That's but it means sport. the world to her. It means the world to my family. And so I would have not traded that uh, in, in the world. So at the end of the day, we got to do what we can. But you're right. It's hard uh, to embrace the work-life balance. I don't. I agree with you. It's probably, there's probably no such thing. Um, you, you change direction based on what uh, the priorities and needs are for any given day. 
for every good day. Well, Chief Cook, you have been so wonderful and so transparent and gracious today. I just want to thank you. I want to respect your time. I'm kind of looking, you've given me five minutes more than I asked for, so I couldn't be more grateful. Um, Again, everybody, this is the Everything Is Up podcast with Chief Chris Cook from the White Settlement Police Department. Uh, Make sure you guys like, subscribe, and share this podcast. We appreciate you and really appreciate you, Chris. Really do. Have a great day. God bless. God bless. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Everything Is Up. Be sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. And remember, everything is up.